0: How many of you have seen uh, the Blues Brothers, and you've seen the scene where they're at the black church? Yeah? And James Brown starts doing his running man thing, and they're all flipping around. Okay, that's what I usually do on a Sunday morning, (laughs) but because of time, and it's my first time sharing, hopefully I'll get another time, but my first time sharing, I'm just going to roll, okay? So we'll just roll this time, all right? Let me, just again, just bless. Father, we thank you, we honor you, we love you. I pray and ask that you would surround this house, deploy, release your angels to guard this house as your word goes forth. May our hearts be open to receive what you have. I pray, Lord, for the remnant of the vision that you have for this house to be imparted into us. I pray and ask, Lord, for your presence to come even greater. You're here. I could feel it when I walked up here on the platform. But, Lord, we want to ask, would you raise it just a little bit more as we receive this word? We honor you and we bless you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, under your chair you have a little... Uh, thing that you can kind of go along here with me on, and uh, if I uh, if I had a if I had a title for this, uh, the the message that the Lord has for us, I would call it the I Teams of Life Church. Now, Stacy and I, when we did church, it was very cross-cultural, and Gino, you understand this, okay? Um, so when the pastor says something, sister, and it was good. The people said, amen. All right. So I only got two people back here, three people, four people that are black. So we need some other folk that ain't black to say amen. Amen. All right. (laughs) Hallelujah. As I share with you this morning, I believe God wants us to experience a revelation that will release an impartation to grabbing a hold of the vision for this house. Amen. The vision. <laughs> the vision to build a radical, relevant church that empowers people to express God's heart, fulfill their dreams, and change the world. It's important for us to know that God sees everything. God's eyes are on everything. He understands what he sees to be true in us. God is aware. And it's important for us to understand that even when we are not aware of the poverty and the hurts and the pains in our city, God is aware. God sees. And I'm excited for Life Church because I believe that we are the generation that will be so connected and related to God, so related to Jesus, who is the head, where now for the first time, and maybe in a long time, the body will see what the head has been seeing. There's an old saying that there's nothing wrong with the head, Jesus Christ, but for a long time, God has been having trouble with his body. And in Mark chapter 2, there's a very interesting story that I want us to take a look at because I believe this morning, God is wanting to release a clarion call over this house. God has brought us together, members of his body, so as to form us, to put us together so we can do in our lifetime to give God the opportunity to do the impossible. I heard someone share sometimes years ago, he he said that Let's give the Holy Spirit the same opportunity in our city, in our communities, that He's had in other cities and communities. And I believe that's why Life Church exists. I believe that's why you're here, so as to give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to do in your lifetime, to do in your church, to do in our generation, to do in our communities, the opportunity of what really fires up the hotter God. If God was to to write another book, I believe he would have to put a chapter in there about Life Church. There would be a book, uh, it'd be called The Gospel According to the I-Teams or something. I don't know. We can come up with something. I'm not sure. I would like to be the scribe. I would like to, to write it or at least give the illustration. But if God wants to do that, I believe that it would include many of your stories. Because your stories and the vision that God has given for this house reminds me so much of Mark chapter 2. Go there with me. Here in the beginning, verse 1, it says this. When Jesus again, Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people had heard that he'd come home. It was a big deal for Jesus to come to town because he was the one that would heal the sick and raise the dead. He was the one that would bring life to marriages and life to families. He was the one that would bring hope to the poor and put the religious leaders in their place. He was the one that wasn't intimidated by God. He was the man. Concert houses would be filled. Stadiums would be packed if the word got to the right people because wherever you went, wherever Jesus was at, You got in for free. So Jesus comes to town, and there's noise that he's in the house, as in packed house, standing room only. Verse 2, so many gathered there that was there, and there was no room left. Church, when was the last time you seen a stadium full of believers? Not even outside the door. And Jesus, knowing what would change communities, knowing what would change lives, he preached the word to them. When Jesus preached, it was positive and aggressive. He preached, he proclaimed, and he persuaded them with the word of God. He came and stood and said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And I got good news for you. If you're on crack, if you're divorced, if you're doubting your commitment, if you're struggling within or hurting, I'm here with a message from God. And the people packed the house. It was like in our time today. Those great hearts. Holy Spirit meetings, Bethel Church in Reading, kind of meetings, the Welch Revival kind of meetings, Zuzel Street kind of meetings, Life Church at the Arcata kind of meetings, the kind of meetings where people came out and said, just give me more of Jesus. Verse 3, some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Some men came, four people who were strangers to each other from different cultural backgrounds and different places. They didn't know one another, but they came together for a cause. Verse 4, since they could not get the paralyzed man to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus. And after digging through it, Lord, the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. Now, for a brief moment, Satan thought he had stole the victory because the crowd had hindered this man getting near to Jesus. How many times have we allowed the enemy To steal something from us when God has given us instructions to carry it out, no matter what it may look like or no matter the cause. There are usually hindrances in bringing others to Jesus, but faith is creative. The four carriers climbed outside the stairs to the roof, uncovered a portion of the roof, and lowered the paralyzed man to the ground. Verse 5, key verse Sweet verse. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. How sweet is that? Jesus didn't say, Son, because of your faith. He said, because of their faith, your sins are are forgiven. We find in verse 11 that Jesus tells the man to get up, take your mat, and go home. Jesus went beyond the symptoms to the cause. He would not just deal with the heal, to heal the soul and neglect the body. He would not heal a temporary condition and leave the internal condition untouched. So he said, your sins are forgiven. Now I like this story because I believe this is what God wants to impart on us. This is what you call real ministry. There were a group of people, A body of believers, some rebel rousers out Life Church that said, listen, Jesus is in the house and he's doing miracles. He's doing the supernatural. We can't be selfish and greedy with what we receive. We got to do something about the single mother who lives across town. Who wasn't invited to the meetings to see Jesus. Who couldn't afford to come to the meeting, nor had a way to getting to the meeting." But there were some radical, relevant people at this church in the center of the city, come on, called Life Church, who were willing to serve at any cost. There were people who were committed to carrying the cot of evangelism to those that were sick, hurting, paralyzed socially, paralyzed physically, paralyzed spiritually. Paralyzed economically. I want to encourage us this morning on something. That every single person in this room, you've been called by God. Called meaning summons, subpoenaed. You were brought into existence. Way before you were born, God had a thought in mind. And his thought was to bring you into existence the first time you were born. But you weren't aware of your purpose. So you had to be what? Born again. And then God revealed to you your ultimate purpose, that you are his workmanship. You are God's bullets, God's arrows. There's something he wants to accomplish in you. There's something he wants to do in the community that somebody on the other side of town who needs to see Jesus, experience Jesus. And so God raised you up your ministry, your calling, your gifts, your dreams. God literally brought you into into being so as to accomplish this purpose. And he says, now what I want you to do is throw out this long-range mentality, thinking that you can do it by yourself. Because the challenge of transforming a city, the challenge of changing communities, the challenge of bringing people to Jesus is too big, It's too great. No one person, no one church can do it. And so God is saying to you, will you be a part of the team to carry the cot of evangelism? In Mark chapter 2, there were four people on this team who were willing to bring that person who was sick to Jesus. Not because they had to, but because they understood that it was their responsibility to. They knew if they did that. What Jesus would do. Verse 3 again. Some men came bringing him to him, a paralyzed man carried by four. What made these four men so special? Well, they agreed that getting the credit for what was done was not their concern as much as they were concerned that the job was getting done. It wasn't about them, it was about Jesus. I believe Life Church have these four. Elements that will help us to fulfill our vision and transform our city that will change the world. Let me just say this. When we speak of world, it's not just overseas. It's outside of these four walls. What God is calling us to do will take a, a team effort. It takes a team effort until you find your team, until you form your team, until you function as a team. God will remain hypothetically discouraged. God will remain hypothetically grieved and broken because he so badly want to see the vision for this house to come true. Jesus said he came to seek and save those that were lost. He said, listen, I'm not worried about those that are well. I'm concerned about those that are sick. This team said, the Bible says, was carried by four men. Let me suggest to you the four people that ought to be on every team in this house. Let me suggest to you what God is perhaps doing in forming our team so that we can be effective and successful to bringing those who are paralyzed to Jesus, who will give them life, who will bring healing. The first person you need to have on a team is what I call innovators." Some of you are just that. You hear about what's happening in the D- uh, Dominican Republic and it grips your heart. You were shaking, you can't sleep because God has touched you. He's given you a dream and you're not the kind of person that is going to sit back and say what should be done. You've already come up with some ideas. Innovators are ideal people, visionary people, people with a plan, people that see the end result of a vision. You're the kind of people who hear that we need a plan to make something happen, and you're already thinking of a way to make it happen. So the innovator says, look, Jesus is in town. We got to get this person who was sick to him. There's got to be a way. The person standing next to him said, well, what are you thinking about? He says, well, I got an idea. It's going to sound really weird. Why don't we go and get a cot and get this person? Oh, that's not uncommon. I mean, we, we can, we, you know, that's not real creative. That's, we've, we've handed out cups of cold water before. That's not a big deal. That's, you know, what's so innovative about that? What's so creative about that? Well, our vision says, Building a radical, stepping outside of the box, relevant, appropriate to do, uh, appropriate to what is being done, church. We get to where Jesus is, we can't get in. Here's the idea that will change the world. This is what would bring out the newspapers. Instead of us going into the front door, let's bust a hole in the roof. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Hey, Dan and Fee, um, we we wanna bust a hole in the roof. Is is, is that okay? Do we gotta pray about that? Do we need to talk with the elders about that? I mean, what what do we need to do to to make that happen? So he said, let's bust a hole in the roof. That's what innovators do. Innovators create fear in people that are not innovators. We get nervous. What are you doing? You can ask my wife. She's following some innovator guy that's crazy. She can also tell you, but what he's crazy about, it usually happens. But that's the innovator. Can you imagine? They're, 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 they're busting up. No matter how you easily try to take off a dirt roof, something's going to fall in. And it's falling in on Jesus. But that's who innovators are. That's how they function. The second person we need on our team are implementers people who love to serve. You tell me what you need done and how you want it done. Guess what? It's good as done. You're the kind of people who will do whatever you are asked to do your servers, your helpers, your armor, bear- armor bearers implementers are looking for ideas. They're looking for ministries. They're looking for projects. I mean, you get some uh, some implementers that even say, well, okay, I see what you're doing. I don't necessarily agree with it, but I'll do it. Because they just want to serve. They're hungry to serve. So the second man said, well, you need a hole put in the roof, not a problem. Tell me how you want it done, and it's good as done. But that's what implementers do. They live off of give me something to do. That fulfills them. That gives them passion. So now you have a plan because of the innovator. But we need a team. An innovator can't do it without a team. You have a source of help now because you have the implementer, but the implementer can't do it without a team. But now we need some faith, some people who are willing to pray. Look, I don't know how heavy this dude was. I don't know, you know, how thick, how high, how low the roof was. Okay, we about to go up the side of Peter's house. We're going to be in trouble. We need some prayer. Okay? We're trying to lower this man down in front of J. G- what if he falls on J? G- we need some <laughs> prayer. So every team needs intercessors, spiritual confrontations with the enemy. Having a plan is great, having a source to help is great, but you need some people to stand in the gap to pray. We are all called to be intercessors in the house of prayer, but there are times when you need people that were born to pray. Not folks that you have to plead with to pray or to come to prayer, but people who can get through to Jesus, faith-believing, people who can say, son, stand still, people that that will go where angels fear to tread, people who can shake God's very throne, that's what we need. So the intercessor on the team says, I can pray, no problem. <laughs> Look here, I'm not creative. I'm not an ideal person, but I will pray. I will pray before we go, during and after. So don't worry about the prayer, the prayer's covered. Done deal. So now you got three people that are on the cot, but we need one more to keep it balanced. The last person we need on the team are investors. Now I'm going to do a quick commercial here. Life Church, we need money. <laughs> we need money. Okay? People who were born with money or people who are willing to give their last to see that God's vision goes forth. So the investor said, listen, you need a cot? I can buy it. I don't have a whole lot of money. But what kind do you need? Red, brown, green, what you need? In fact, if I need to go deeper than that, I'll start a cot business. I'm not an innovative person. I don't have implementer skills. I'm not gifted in prayer. But I can get you some cots. In fact, I'll even pay for the roof. And that's what God is looking for. He's looking for people that are willing to give back what he gave to us in the first place. For what purpose? Of helping a paralyzed man. But we got to be willing to say, hey, what you need is my... Look, if I got to go borrow some money to get it to you so that you are doing good, then I'll do that. So now we got... Four men that have come together to bring this paralyzed man to Jesus. I'm going to have you go to, your, to the back of your thing there. And um, back of your handout. And I'm going to share this word of knowledge for the church. It ties into the vision. It ties into this story And it's a remnant of what God, I believe, wants to do here. It's a a part, okay? Um, The vision for our church was played out in Mark chapter 2 when the four men as a team brought the paralyzed man to Jesus. They were radical and relevant in what they did. They were empowered by expressing God's heart for this man. They fulfilled their dreams or the dream of someone else who longed to walk again and yet walked away also with his sins forgiven. And as a result of that, this led to others to witness what happened, to go out themselves to change the world. I want to share this word of knowledge, and, and, and when I, anytime I do share a prophetic word with anybody, and this is what we, how we just wrote in our church, um, always when I share, I always tell people, when you get a word from me, to pray into it, to test it, and to judge it with God's word. Because even though you're hearing something maybe from me, from, through the, from the Lord, in order to really grab a hold of it you got to check it yourself okay so even with this um, it's it's just a, uh, it's a word of knowledge it's just a, it's a remnant of what God may be doing here at life church okay but let me make this clear um, the leaders of this house would need to get a witness to it okay and they need to hear you know hear from God however God would want to lead that okay but but uh, just, just something that I believe the Lord is trying to encourage us in as we uh, build those teams. Um, so let me just read the word of knowledge to you. Uh, I'm giving Life Church the spiritual keys to the city. He who inherits the keys to the city gates transform a city. I've given you an apostolic authority and a territorial sphere over this city. I have positioned Life Church in the center of the city to go out and to sustain my presence and to transform lives to fulfill the purpose of Life's church, very important calling and vision. This will be the city of Jesus Christ. In order to sustain that, there's six things, could be more, but there's six things that God has given to me, and then we will close in this segment here. Um, the first one is prayer. If we really want to sustain, if we really want to grab a hold of what uh, Dan and Jeremy have been sharing with us in the vision, you know, they're kind of breaking it down with, for us and, you know, leadership development and all of those things, if we really want to grab a hold of the vision and sustain what God is releasing over this house to have authority in, we got to pray. The Lord is saying, put a defense shield around this house and those who occupy this house. And I'm reminded of, uh, if you've ever seen this or heard this, uh, water buffaloes, when they are, are in danger, when they're being attacked, One of the things a herd of water buffaloes will do is that they'll put all of their young or those that are weak in the center while they form a circle. The cool thing about it is that when they form their circle, they're not looking into the young or those that are weak. They position their bodies to look outward. So they're able to see what's coming. And I believe the Lord is saying, we got to pray. Okay, we need to be outward so we can see what's coming in order to release what God has given us to release. So we got to pray. Another thing, uh, and you guys are familiar with this out of, uh, out of Judges, you guys know the story of Gideon's army and, and you know, Jesus, uh, you know, Lord said, give me 300. But what did those 300 do? They were lapping and watching. See, we got to, we got to be able to lap in what God is calling us, but we got to be watching. And we can only do that through prayer. So we got to be praying. we got to be a praying church. Number two, encourage our leaders. Stacey and I have done uh, church. We started church, retired from the church for 20 years. I've been doing ministry for 30 years. And um, we know the importance of encouraging leaders. We've been there, done that. And it's very important that we encourage our leaders, that we pray for them, that we bless them, that, uh, you know, have them over to your house, okay? Bless their children, just little things to bless them so that they stay encouraged. And we know what that's like, you know? So we want to encourage our leaders. And I believe that God, you know, no doubt, you need to do that. You know, before we do anything else, we need to honor and encourage our leaders. Number three, reset. God is saying, life church, hit the button, reset. God is resetting. He's renewing new things that he hasn't even released yet. He's restoring old but good things out of the old. And he's, re- and he's resetting supernatural He's, he's, he's releasing a supernatural Revival spirit in this house So there's a reset Be careful that you, don't, that you don't That you don't plow too deep That you're trying to figure out Well God what are you doing God is saying slow down a little bit Just reset the button Just You're, you're okay just hit the button again no, no big deal Okay There you go Number four vision Church, know and own the vision of this house. Memorize it. Put it in your heart. Run with the vision. Okay, when you grab a hold of that vision, then you come to understand, okay, I'm one of those four, maybe two of the four, maybe three of the four. But if I grab a hold and understand the vision, I got to I understand what my task is, is being one of those four that's holding that cot. Number five, pitch your tent and put your stakes deep in the ground if you call life church your home. And let me tell you why. When the wind of confusion, when the wind of offense, when the wind of being critical, or whatever other non God wind that comes to hinder you, when that thing comes across, but yet your stakes are in deep, guess what? Your tent ain't rolling. We got to position ourselves, church. See, we can't ask for the glory to have the keys to transform a city if we're not willing to go deep and plant ourselves deep. This church and Jesus in this church is not a flea market where you kind of bounce around the churches to kind of find what's going to work for you. Get planted. If it's here, beautiful, but get planted, get planted. Number six, last one, anticipate. Come expecting God to do something every Sunday. We had a, um, we uh, at our church, at family life church, we um, had a teaching uh uh, through Morningstar, uh, we were we kind of affiliated with Morningstar at the time, and, and uh, they were talking about this anticipate, and you know, just anticipate God coming and doing some stuff, and so we begin to teach on that, we begin to speak into that, and I would say, I mean, I'd have to go back and look at my files, but I would say for like three, four years, we were coming every Sunday, Anticipating that God was going to do something, and He did for those three years. We had a—I I, don't—I want to be careful with revival, but we had a spiritual awakening every Sunday. But be, it was because we showed up, not when fear is leading us in worship to then get going, but people were anticipating. I can't wait to get to church on Thursday, on Wednesday, you know, because they can't wait to get here. And not because I can't wait to get here because I want to see Joe or Sally. No. I can't wait to get here because man, Jesus is gonna do something, and I'm getting myself ready. I'm positioning myself because God is about to release something. And man, get this. God says, look at my children. Let me blow on this. Let them have three or four years of just spiritual awakenings. Supernatural stuff happened. Healings happen. And God is saying, let's come a little bit more anticipating, excited. When Sister Free come up on Sundays, and I'm I'm also in a, in a, in a, I'm very observant. But when she comes up, folks, it's not fake when she comes up and she's saying, yeah, Let's go and God's going to, that's the real deal. Because she's already been since the last Sunday anticipating God was going to do something this Sunday. And so that's that's what God is wanting to encourage us in, to anticipate what he's going to do. I want to leave you with this. Let's grab a hold of the vision, work at sustaining God's presence. And if we do that, we will fulfill God's plan and purpose in our lifetime for this church. Amen? Amen. Amen.